Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That, the podcast that celebrates films we think are underrated, underappreciated, underseen, or we just really, really wanted to talk about them. I'm Alice Oliver and with me as always is Josh Hallam. Hello. There he is. And now Josh picked this week's film. It's The Beast or The Beast of War from 1988. But we're just going to call it The Beast for this episode. Let's get straight to it. So this week's film, chosen by Josh, is The Beast from 1988. So spoiler warnings if you haven't seen it. Uh, So Josh, tell us, what is this film about and why did you pick it? So the film is set in the early 80s during the war between Russia and Afghanistan. Um, It's about two sets of characters on each side of the conflict. Obviously, the people from um, Afghanistan who are defending their home and the Russian soldiers who have been sent there to invade. Uh, The Russian soldiers uh, primarily are are set uh, as a a small squadron of soldiers who are in a tank. Uh, and, And it's about really, I guess, the desperation and the lengths that different people will go to during war and, and how it affects different people. Um, it's got um, Jason Patrick in it. It's got George, uh, I think it's Dzunza. I think that's mm-hmm. how you say it. Uh, and Stephen Bauer, a few other people. It's directed by Kevin Reynolds, who most people will know because he directed Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Um, so I I picked this one because it was a listener's suggestion. So Nick emailed us, and I've got his email here, and I and I won't read all of it because it's quite because it's quite long and it goes into various different things. But basically, Nick says, "Hi guys, a while back I stumbled across a movie I'd never heard of. I was completely blown away, and ever since I've been desperately trying to convince everyone across movie fandom to give it a shot and hopefully drag it out of complete obscurity. The movie is called The Beasts of War, aka The Beast from 1988, directed by Kevin Reynolds, starring George Dzunza. I think that's right." <laughs> I think that's uh, what, that's how I read it, certainly. Yeah. Uh, Jason Patrick and Stephen Bauer. It was only released on two screens across the whole of the US by Columbia Pictures. And as and, and I kid you not, I, I say this is the best Hollywood film you've never heard of. Quentin Tarantino's old writing partner, Roger Avery, has it down as the best movie of 1988 on Letterboxd. And it also has it down as one of his 20 Desert Island films, along with Apocalypse Now being the only other war film. Mm. Um, so it's, I think Nick has picked it. I think it's pretty clear to see. He's gone in a little bit on his email to talk about the critical reception. Obviously, we'll talk about mm-hmm. that when we come to it. But I, I think he's picked it primarily because he feels it's underseen. 
Certainly, um, sounds very passionate about it. Yeah, and he was, and he was very passionate about it, and, and he, you know, he made the effort to directly get in touch with us on <laughs> by email and other social mm. media as well. So I thought, you know what, let let's go for it. Let's pick let's pick this one because I'd never heard of it. So mm-hmm. a lot of the films people have suggested in the past, um, I have I've heard of but not seen or might have seen or whatever. Um, and, and you know, we we will try and get to all of them eventually. But this one, you know, Nick was so passionate and. I hadn't heard of it, so I just thought, let's give it a look, you know. So certainly, and we are fans of Jason Patrick on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, you're you're <laughs> fan, you're a fan of Jason Patrick uh, from Speed Two, indeed. And we, he's also in the Losers as well, which exactly. we did. Um, he was great in that. He so was great in that. A, that's a great selling point for me. I think if he's in something, I'm absolutely willing to give it a go. Yeah, yeah, completely. And um, yeah, so I mean, I had I'd never heard of this, so I, I didn't. I, I don't have any expectations going into it. Um, what about you? No, um, so I hadn't heard of it, hadn't seen it. Um, I was really intrigued. I am very intrigued by war films. Um, and it doesn't even particularly sort of matter which war. Kind of, I'm interested in World War One, World War Two, the Vietnam War, and then now, obviously, I mean, really the ongoing troubles that we've seen kind of in Afghanistan and sort of even more poignant at this point in time, given what's happened this year. Mm. Um, so I was really, really interested in this one going into it. Um, and I mean, cards on the table. I loved it. I thought there was so much to like about it. I thought it it towed this perfect line of being kind of beautifully subtle and yet incredibly gory and raw at the same time. And I thought that was really interesting. I like the fact that it is just about these soldiers at this exact time. It's not about the wider conflict. It's not about, you know, the guy in the suit in an office thousands of miles away calling the shots. It is literally about the men on the ground, the struggles that they have to deal with, like you touched on, the desperation that they feel, um, being in this very volatile landscape where you don't know what is coming and you don't know what is going to happen next. And I just thought that there was so much to like about it. And um, what about you? How did you feel coming away from it? I really enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, similar to you, I really, uh, really enjoyed it. I was very, I wouldn't say I was pleasantly surprised because I had no expectations of the film mm. because I'd never heard of it. But no, I mean, there's, there's a lot to like in there. I mean, like you say, it is, it is brutal. It's brutal. It's a brutal it depiction brutal. of war. And, and I mean, you've touched on it there. So, so you say you love the film. Well, let's get into what we liked about it then. You know, I, we both liked it. So what did you specifically like about it? So yeah, those things that I touched on already. So I love the fact, uh, so it, it literally starts with a bang. It starts with these Russian soldiers coming in on their tank and kind of attacking this, not even a village. Like it just looks like a couple of houses that have got a few goats, like just kind of really, really sort of basic and undefended and you've got these Russians coming in and there's there's only about four of them in the tank so it's not like a huge operation it's just these four guys um but they come in and they look very alien like they've got these masks on they've got very powerful weapons they've got this very powerful tank and they start by attacking these people in this village who don't really have much of anything they don't really have weapons they don't really have any means to defend themselves with um and some really gory things happen from that like you know they they capture one of these um, sort of Afghan residents and run over him with their tank in a very slow, very intentional and 
seemingly sort of very evil way. But of course, it's it's not necessarily evil. And this is the interesting thing with war and with war films is it's it's so ambiguous because both sides are just trying to survive. And I think this is why I like war films so much because it really delves into that. And it's sort of, you kind of get, you know, you get given this sort of, this very kind of heroic and quite glossy version of war in, in a lot of films, a lot of World War II films, especially, you know, they sort of, they they make the people out to be like these big heroes that, you know, just, you know, who are just amazing and sort of save the day and stuff. But this is a very personal, very real look at actually what war is actually like. And it is grim and it's hard and it's unpredictable and it's so unbelievably challenging in a way that we couldn't possibly fathom sitting here in our living rooms. Do you know what I mean? Um, And I think it just did such a great job at bringing all that to life. Um, I really enjoyed the very isolated landscape. So you've got like this vast kind of desert where everything kind of just looks the same. Like there's just rocks and there's sand and then there's more rocks and then there's sand and it just feels never ending and it just feels vast and barren and helpless. And then you get a great juxtaposition of the claustrophobia within the tank, within, within the tank where the Russians are. And those two different feelings sort of make you very uncomfortable in a very different way. And I thought it was a very powerful way to tell the story. And you you follow them both equally, I think. Like, you're not really necessarily aligned with either team. You're just kind of, you're just shown what happens. And I never felt like the film was trying to get you to feel anything or trying to get you to think a certain way about any of the characters or anything. It just showed you, like, it just felt so, like, just exposed and raw and... I just I just thought it was really, really powerful for so many reasons. Like uh, the way it was made, the kind of the context of what was going on, the content of what was going on, sorry, and the context of of the of the um of the situation. Um what about you? Kind of what were some of the really standout things for you? So I yeah, I mean, I've already said the word. It's brutal. And I like and I like what you've said there, which is there's there's a it really explores that moral ambiguity and war of like what is acceptable. You know, the fact of the matter is is when they they run over the guy with the tank it's pretty sadistic and it's really mm. hard to watch but when it does do that what it's what what it doesn't do is glamorize it and that's what i really like about it so so you've already touched on it there there's no there's no good guys or bad guys you know a lot of war films either explore one element of it or it is you know america you know or the british or you know yeah. or whatever and and this isn't that this is like you say a group of soldiers here a group of soldiers here this is what they both do they both do very violent, very sadistic things. They both act in ways that are abhorrent, but are in their minds justified and, and that sort of thing. Um, and, and I think a lot of that's down to um, a, a lot of the performances, which I'm going to come on mm-hmm. to in a minute. But I, I really liked a few other things, which is things like the Russians are all played by American actors, but they mm-hmm. don't talk with Russian accents. They just mm-hmm. talk with their accents. And the Afghan soldiers are the same. They talk in... Um, their language and it's just subtitled and it's not it, it, it's not you know they don't just talk English but with a slight accent or whatever and I really like that I think that really helped suck you into the world of a film I it's one of my pet hates that is you know people playing Russians and, and talking when a character would be speaking Russian but saying it in English with a Russian accent well that character wouldn't have a Russian accent because they're well they would have a Russian accent but 
they are just speaking their native tongue. So have the people speak in their native tongue. I really like that. Um, well, and it's interesting as well, because I know I've mentioned a few times about how I just wish actors w- would be allowed to use their own accent instead of putting an accent on because I find that distracting. And here is maybe one of the only examples of that that I've ever seen. I will be honest, though, I was a bit confused at the beginning. I was like, oh, they're American soldiers and they come in. And then they, you get a few more hints and it's like, no, they're def- they keep calling them the Russians, like they must be the Russians. And then you see within the tank, there's a few sort of Soviet symbols yeah. and stuff. And it's like, yeah. oh no, yeah, they, they definitely are the Russians. So I must hold my hands up and say, I was a bit confused because of that. But as soon as that had passed, like I was over it. And it just meant that you weren't focusing on actors trying to concentrate on doing an accent that isn't their own and therefore losing some of the character. It meant that you were getting a more naturalistic experience, I thought. Yeah, and that's and that's absolutely what you get. You, you get quite naturalistic and suppose, in a way, re- realistic uh, performances. I mean, the performances are really good. I think everyone mm-hmm. is, is, is great in this. Um, I, th- I think that the, the highlight is again. If I say his name wrong, I do apologize. Is, is George Jazunda? He mm-hmm. he plays this sort of erratic tank commander on the edge, and he he acts, you know, in very very strange ways. And he's very, you know, he's very he he does this really good job of playing a man who clearly thinks he's in the right and is so mm-hmm. principled, even though not necessarily sensible or not necessarily the right thing to do. You know, there's a bit where. They're, they're basically stranded and a helicopter shows up to rescue them and he just will not let them get on the helicopter. And he goes, no, get back yeah. in the tank, go and, go and yeah. we're going back the way we came, I'm keeping the tank sort of thing. And in his, in his mind, it's clear that that is absolutely the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though it endangers the safety of him and his men and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So I thought that was, I mean, he's actually quite intimidating. Mm-hmm. thinking in parts he's so intense um and i've not really seen him in much other live action stuff he's done a few things where he's been a voice actor and i believe he's retired now anyway i believe i believe he, does, he doesn't act anymore but i thought he was excellent in this and i know from what i've read around the film he lobbied quite hard for the role jason patrick was very good in it um i mean all all the cast were very good in it. i just thought he was a was, was a particular standout um it's really really well directed and really well shot like you say that that uh, contrast between the s- sparse um, landscape with nothing in it except you know places to go and die, and then the claustrophobic nature of a tank. Really, it's it's strange. I think we've touched on it before for other films about how you can feel claustrophobic in such a wide open space. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. it's that sort of thing of like fear of open water that we that you've touched on in the past mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, you, you can really feel the the sand and the dust and the the sweat, in, you know, in the air from the desert. There's a bit where they think that they're getting near to, I think it's a town. It doesn't actually say what it is, but I think they're getting near to somewhere where they would be safe or it's a destination they're trying to get to and you know that once they get there, they seem happy that they're going to get there. Um, and they they think that they're really close to it, and then they suddenly realize that um that they're actually facing a massive cavern mm. and and it's like this then you get this big wide shop which must have been done on a helicopter um or possibly I don't know from a big crane or something where you see this tank facing off against this this cavern or, or crevice, and it's just so hopeless. Mm-hmm. and so desperate it's almost like a 
it's almost like a newspaper cartoon for the pointlessness of like trying to get a tank around or over this crevice. So no, I really enjoyed it. It was so dead. It was so brutal. I mean, there was bits where I sort of looked away a little bit or I winced. I wasn't necessarily, not that I wasn't in the headspace, but you know, it was just one of those things where it was like, oh God, I wasn't expecting this to be so, mm-hmm. so brutal, but it, but it, it really is. It doesn't, you know, there's, there's plenty of action films or, or, um, or, uh, or, or war films where bodies are just dropping left, right and center. And I think there's an element with somewhere after, and I mean, you might disagree with this, but after a bit, it starts to lose its impact. Mm. And it's just all, it's just people just dying. And it's just like, well, I'm used to it now. Whereas this, it's very, very violent in short bursts and without actually that many people dying. So when they do, I mean, obviously, loads of people do die in it. But what I mean is it's not like something like, I don't know, Saving Private Ryan, where you you open with this massive assault on the senses. But I still felt the same Mm -hmm. watching the opening of this, where maybe like 20 people die, as I did with Saving Private Ryan. I mean, Saving Private Ryan, that's not to to take anything away from Saving Private Ryan. It's still such an incredible opening to that film. But but with this, I thought it was similar in, in, in that sense of... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You know, the burning, the burning of the buildings and running people over and killing people. And it was just, it's just so visceral and impactful. I thought it was, it did a really good job of, you know, really battering your head, <laughs> to be quite honest, with the, the horrors of war. 
Absolutely. And I think it's, it is important for films like this to exist and to be seen because now I've never been in a war zone, so I can't say, you know, categorically one way or another, but it felt like it felt real and it felt real to the characters and it just made you think of kind of soldiers who find themselves in these situations, taking orders, doing things that they've been told to do for this bigger cause, even though sometimes they might not fully understand what it is and just the things that are expected of them um, and the horrendous impact that that has on them. And it just like, because what you were saying then about it, you know, it's not just kind of body after body or explosion after explosion. It kind of comes it comes in waves, like it, there's bits and bobs here and there. And I think that's what I meant about it having quite this subtle element to it. Mm. Like it isn't sort of whole cities being flattened and, and, you know, hundreds and thousands of people kind of dying in the trenches and stuff. It might just be like a family of four who have been burnt to death. And because of that, it has more of an impact, I think. Yeah. Something else that I really liked about it is that there is no pointless exposition whatsoever. There is no, here's this character and here's what they do and here's my life story. That didn't happen whatsoever. The film starts and you're just in this situation and it just goes from there. There's no break. There's no respite. There's no, oh, let's take a minute to find out who everyone is and what everyone's doing. It is just happening. And they're very clever at just giving you like subtle hints all the way through so you can get to know the characters a bit more. So like you say, this kind of commander who's living on the edge, you get a bit about him, about like his mother had to fight, his father had to fight, he has to he had to watch his brothers fight. So you can kind of get an idea of where his where his motivation and where his drives come from. But it works very naturally within the conversation that the that the characters are having. Nothing ever felt forced. It just felt natural and it all just felt so real. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. So it's like like you say, if there is any exposition, it's it's sort of weaved into the dialogue. The main, I think, is he called Taj? The, the Khan. Yeah, the Khan, he's called the, Taj. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Khan Taj, yeah. isn't he? Uh, yeah. he? He really doesn't like his cousin. Mm. But you don't know why. I don't think it ever says why. It's just they just don't get on, whether they're from sort of, you know, rival ideologies or anything like that. It doesn't say, but you just know they don't get on and they decide to unite for, you know, almost like a temporary truce type thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. Like you say, just dropping it into the dialogue. Are we, you know, these two characters, they, they don't hate each other. However, such is the nature of this conflict. They, you know, they'll get over it for now. And then, and then again, I know we've already done spoilers, but they go right back to hating each other again because of the, mm -hmm. the way they both perceive, I suppose, what they want, what they need, or what their mission is in the war. Mm -hmm. One of my favourite moments um, in the whole film, one of my favourite sequences is when, so Jason Patrick's character, so Korvachenko, mm. I believe, um, so he, so his men basically leave him for dead, don't they? Mm. They tie him up to a rock. So he's done something that the commander isn't happy with. I think he didn't, Oh no, he was so so there's a translator with them, isn't there? There's an Afghan translator with them. He's kind of like helping them along. And the commander becomes really suspicious of him, becomes very, very paranoid. He thinks, oh, you're secretly working for the other side. We need to kill you. So he kills him. He murders him, shoots him in the back when he's in water and he just falls into the water. And the other men 
in that squad aren't really happy about that. They're like, we didn't think actually that he was bad or that he was a traitor. So there's a bit of a conflict there. And so ultimately they tie up Jason Patrick's character. They tie him to a rock. They put a grenade behind his head that will go off basically if he moves his head in the wrong direction. And then the the Afghan forces find him, don't they? And they they rescue him. He says he says a word. He says a word to them that makes them stop and think. And it's like, oh, he's begging for mercy. So we have to show him mercy. And so they do. So that's something I actually I really enjoyed about it as well. Was them um, they explore this idea of this the, of the sort of the the translator character who is friends with Jason Patrick mentions that there are three sort of rules that his he says his people i don't know if he means a particular you know subsection but he basically mm-hmm. discusses these three 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 rules and one of them i'm not going to try and pronounce it because i haven't got it mm-hmm. written down in front of me but it just means mercy mm-hmm. and it's this whole idea of if if someone asks for mercy whether it be enemy or friend or anyone and you want to live this sort of more honorable life and you want and you want to and you you I guess you have to give it to them. And it's that really interesting thing of, like you say, they find Jason Patrick's character and he says the word because it's the one word that he's, he's sort of remembered from, from the translator telling him. And so that, that so they give it to him. So they give mm. him mercy and, and, and then he essentially becomes part of their team, sort of, well, temporarily. Mm, well, exactly. So he he does get saved and then they take him to a cave, don't they, where they're sort of hiding out. Mm. And... There's this quite like tender moment where they're sort of trying to communicate and they're mm. trying to exchange certain words and he teaches them the word for tank and they sort of try to communicate what their plan is now and what they're going to do. Um, and this whole sequence in this cave, it's just, it's very slow, it's very understated, but it's just so impactful. And it's just a really interesting example of how when your situation is so completely dire how you do have to change your strategy like Jason Patrick's character he does have to change sort of his mission because obviously he wants to stay alive like he's been betrayed by his squad by the people he thought he could trust so now he's kind of fighting a different fight for now and um, but eventually he does sort of the Russian helicopter comes and takes him away and he sort of leaves but the Khan is like almost sad that he leaves Mm, doesn't he he like tells him like not to go like don't go don't go and I just I loved that whole sequence and I loved that that was the character development and the character journey that Korvachenko got and I found it really satisfying and just really really interesting So we'll move on to anything that maybe we didn't like about the film or anything that we would change. So Josh, we'll come to you first. What what are you thinking? Was there anything that you maybe didn't like? Not the, there's not loads. There is there isn't anything really substantial. One thing was that and I don't it's what's quite difficult with this is is I I don't know if what I some of the things I would change are actually purposeful decisions that they've made. So I thought at points it was quite difficult to tell who was who. Mm-hmm. So on both sides, all the soldiers, but then, you know, this is what soldiers do. They wear really similar stuff. So it's not always easy to tell who is who. So it wasn't always easy to know, you know, this is this person and you should, this isn't, you know, this is a more major character. This is a more minor character, et cetera, et cetera. But I guess in war, maybe that's the point is that they are just Mm -hmm. anonymous. Um, Mm -hmm. So there was that a little bit. Um, I might, 
maybe maybe a little bit more satisfaction around the death of the tank commander because mm-hmm. at the end he he does he does die but you don't even really see anything it all happens off screen and then they just sort of bring on some bloodied clothes so i would perhaps have liked maybe a little bit more of satisfaction to that but then again he isn't necessarily the bad guy he's probably the most antagonistic mm-hmm. character um so there's that um maybe as well a little bit more resolution for the other two soldiers because they just sort of run off yeah yeah um but not again i think a lot of that is a choice that they've made mm-hmm. so yeah i would it's not forgetfulness and it's not yeah it's not oversight yeah. it's this is it's kind of saying it is just unremarkable. Yeah. Like, it ended and it's unremarkable because none of this is meant to be, you know, these kind of big, exciting, crazy events. Like, it's just life. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, exactly. I couldn't have said it better. Um, what about you? Uh, so there were just some audio issues uh, that I picked up on and that sort of were a little bit jarring. You know, some of the, obviously the dubbing, like where they recorded the voice, you know, back home in the studio or whatever. Sometimes it, it wasn't in sync. Um, sometimes, you know, you could tell that it was recorded in studio and it, you weren't getting sort of the ambiance behind it. And that just kind of felt a bit jarring at times, like the, some of the audio cuts were, were quite harsh. Um, that was literally it, though. I have <laughs> nothing else written down in my dislikes. I just, I, I just thought it was a really good film, and it was, it was like, you know, despite obviously the horrific context and the content, it was just a bit of a breath of fresh air. Mm. To when you compare it to other Hollywood films, and especially when you compare it to Hollywood war films. It was just different. It was raw. It was bare. It was exposing you to to these horrors that actually happen and that you can completely believe. And I just really felt for everyone. I felt for all of them. Like you say, you're not especially aligned with any of them, but you feel for all of them. Like they're all going through a horrible time. So we'll move on to talking about the critical reception then. Um, now, Nick has been, I, I think, I mean, would you agree, he seems to have picked it because it's underseen. Oh, certainly, um, yeah. Because in terms of critically, it's critical reception. He goes on to say in his letter um, that it, it was it was pretty well, it seemed to be pretty well received by the audiences mm-hmm. online. So mm-hmm. uh, before, we, before I tell you the critical reception, by the way, I should say um, there is no Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Oh, wow. So really? it's so underseen that there is no Rotten Tomatoes. Well, there so, we go. So, so it's definitely in the underseen pile, so, straight so off there the is bat. So there is an audience score of mm-hmm. 2,500 okay. of people. There is one critic's review, but that's not enough one. to give it an average. So that, Gosh, so okay. it doesn't count as a percentage, basically. So there is an IMDb score from 9.4 thousand people, which is pretty substantial. And I suppose 2,500 mm-hmm. people is pretty substantial as well. Yeah. But I think Nick has picked it because it's underseen. However, I am interested mm. to know how do you think it did roughly with what is basically entirely based on audience score? Mm. I would uh, it's hard because if 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 you're not into that, if you're not into that sort of thing, then you're probably not going to enjoy it. Like if you want to go to the cinema and watch Avengers and you know or watch Lord of the Rings do you know what I mean like these big flashy happily ever after sort of films this is not what that is but if you are into this sort of thing I mean I think it did well I I I would be puzzled if it didn't do well 
I would, like, personally, I would give it at least a low eight. Like, we're talking sort of maybe 8.2, 8.3. And I reckon, I reckon maybe it got about that. So I'll sit on 8.3 and I'll I'll go with that, I reckon. Okay. So at the time of recording on IMDb, it gets 7.3 out of 10. Okay. And the audience okay. on Rotten Tomatoes give it 85%. Ah, wow. So that's not yeah, that's, that's not bad. Like that's not bad. It probably averages out similarly to what you were guessing, maybe a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Um what do we think then? Is that fair? I think I think the the audience score I would certainly be leaning more towards the 85. Okay. Um and I would say that that IMDb score uh, is underrated, but I I'm pleased that it at least got to a 7 because mm. I think with the with the wrong type of people watching it or you know, if if the, if this isn't the sort of film that you're into, then you're not going to like it. And I appreciate cinema. It, it is about escapism. It's about, you know, letting go of kind of the hardships and the things that, you're getting, that are getting you down to enjoy yourself. And this isn't necessarily going to do that for you. But as a piece of cinema and as a film as, and as a story, I think it's brilliant. I really do. So I would say that is underrated. What about you? Um yeah, I think I think I, I think I don't think I loved it as much as you, but I still think it is probably a little bit underrated. Um, I think I think you, I really agree with the point you say there, which is which is some people might not like it because of that idea of escapism, and some people don't necessarily like films that are as sort of hard hitting as you want. If this, I would put this in a similar category to things like Twelve Years a Slave or Schindler's List, which is that it's really important that they're seen. But you don't, you don't necessarily on a Saturday night think, should we put the beast on? Because yeah, it is quite yeah. hard hitting. So if you're looking mm-hmm. for escapism, it's not maybe that, but it is in, it is a really well made, quite gripping mm-hmm. film. Um mm. but, and if you're if you're a film lover who is looking for something different, yeah. looking some for something with a bit of an edge and who can appreciate that sort of thing. I would absolutely recommend it. So would you say primarily Nick's picked it because it's underseen? I mean, I can't mm-hmm. see how it is anything other than underseen because neither of us mm-hmm. have heard of it. It's not even got a Rotten Tomatoes a score. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be, well, if, if what Nick says in it is in his emails, it was, it was only screened at two screens in the US. Yeah, um, yeah. So what are we saying? Underseen and underrated? Absolutely. I would say it's certainly underseen and a bit underrated. Right, so there we go. Another listener suggestion sliding on into the underseen and underrated vault. So thank you very much for getting in touch with us for that one, Nick. I think that was a that was a really interesting suggestion. That and I think it's really, it, it I think it generated what I felt <laughs> was quite an interesting discussion. Um, Absolutely, yeah, brilliant suggestion. Yeah. Brilliant. So, um, Alice, it is your mm-hmm. turn to pick next week. You're looking very pleased with yourself here. Oh, because you know what, Josh? You're going to hate this. Oh, you're good. Oh, good. It. I bet good. you are. Good. I love finishing episodes thinking I'm going to hate watching this. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. What are we watching? Next week, we're going to be watching, analysing the number 23. Okay. The number 23. Interesting. Oh, he, d- he didn't groan. He didn't moan. Listen. That's a good start. You know. We're about optimism on this podcast. We are, we are. You know, and and I will say no more about that. 
<laughs> so join us next week when we're going to be talking about the number 23. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with in the meantime, if you've got a film you want to suggest for us, it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. We're on all the social medias, just films and that or just films and that pod. Give us a follow, get in touch. We'd like to hear from you. Um, if you're holding your iPhone in your hand right now and you could go over to the Apple store and give us a little review or five star rating, it'd be very much appreciated because it helps other people, um, you know, find us and in, and, and in doing so hopefully hear about some underseen and underrated films that they might want to check out um until next week alice oliver it's been a pleasure as always thank you so much josh i had a wonderful time <laughs> and it's goodbye from me cheerio bye Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.